This episode is brought to you in part by Candorel. Coming soon, a luxury master-planned condominium community rising at the corner of Bathurst and St. Clair. Situated directly on the subway and streetcar line, a monument of architecture and interior design, a timeless expression of glamour and grace. Forêt Forest Hill. Register today at live at forêt.ca. That's live at f-o-r-e-t dot c-a. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Mentors, your bi-weekly look at the world of Jews and sports. I should say, uh, this edition is coming tri-weekly. Uh, we just had to push a week, uh, try to try to get some things down, but uh, I'm here with my friend and co-host, Gabe. Gabe, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm, I'm quite sick. Um, you know, I've got Yeah, the, I think we're both a little congested. I've got the right daycare-itis these days. My son yeah, is now too. in his third week of daycare. Which means that this is just how I'm going to be for the next, I don't know, three years until school to the immune systems build up. Um, well, you and I both had babies during since the pandemic for the first time. And it's like our kids and ourselves are just like not exposed to germs at all compared no. to like other parents typically during the first year. So like when my daughter first started going to daycare, it was just I, I, I was, we were all sick I think, for, the, I think for the several months. We've decided person. to start feeding our child extra dirt. To get that immune system just run up and running real quick. Sure. Uh, but Just like an extra spoonful. Sprinkle it in. Exactly. You know, some, like, some, like Metamucil. Some germs in his Metamucil. Exactly. In his, in his yeah, exactly. Cheerios. But other than that, doing great. Came back. I was away last week on uh, taking part in the traditional Jewish uh, activity of sport fishing, which I'll discuss oh, later wow. at length in the podcast. Uh, I was in the beautiful island, not island, Isthmus nation of Panama. Um, found a Jewish one of the guy. Few, one of the few isthmus nations. Yeah, one of the few isthmus nations. Isthmus. Uh, is, I don't know how to pronounce it, but isthmus. Yeah. It is one of the few isthmus nations. Yeah. Well, we, we have a great show today, and we are very uh, lucky to be joined by Howard Megdahl, uh, writer and founder of uh, the Nine Newsletter and Next Hoops. He's a writer who's been writing about baseball and other sports online uh, for years, including the Baseball Prospectus. Um, and he recently released or re-released the second edition. Uh, his book, the yeah, the second edition of the Baseball Talmud, which is his definitive ranking of every Jewish baseball player uh, in history. And it's a great, I would say it's a great read. It's a better reference. Like, it's a good thing to have around yes. just to know, you know, who were these guys? You know, where where do they sort of rank? And and somebody's, you know, someone who's Howard's really done the research on on them to sort of see where they should rank in terms of their careers. In, in his track dates, in in the track dates, I hold the book in front of me now. One thing I really like about it, and I'm sure this is intentional, although I didn't get the chance to ask Howard about it, is that the book sort of has this like baseball dust sheen on it, which makes it look like right. you're picking up this like old tome that you can. Blow off of to get the dust out, to get the, you know, Rabbi Akiva's view on Alex Bregman uh, as you open this. Or I guess is Howard would be the Rabbi Akiva of, of baseball. Uh, but it's, it's got this I, yeah, like, it's, heft it's, to it. It's a nice book. It, it does. And I would say um, it, it's the kind of book that would make a great bar mitzvah gift. Um, you know, maybe maybe throw in a few 20s in the, in the inside cover, but... Uh, I'm sure that his the previous edition and this one as well will will grace many of our mitzvah boys uh, <laughs> uh, room afterwards. Just you know, it's a, it's it's like the classic uh, 
you know, Ju- Atlas of Jewish uh, Jewish sporting legends. Would you like some light yeah. reading? It's a heavier reading yeah, yeah. of the Jewish sporting legends and all in baseball. And- but it's great. Howard, yeah, Howard is a great guest, and, and we're really lucky to be joined by him. Uh, so that interview is coming up towards the end of the uh, towards the end of the episode. Um, before we get to that, just a few sports uh, Jews and sports news to talk about. First one, Gabe. I want to talk about uh, your namesake. And another member of the new uh, of the San Francisco Giants, two two Giants related stories this week. Uh, you know, there's um, a lot of Gabe Gabe one, solidarity here, in in all things. You have yeah, to so support the first another one, Gabe. The first, I agree. I there's enough Jameses that I don't have to support them, but anyone who shares my last name, uh, I, I unequivocally support. Um, but San Francisco Giants manager Gabe Kapler uh, was in the news recently because he posted a blog post saying that he would no longer. Uh, be standing for the national anthem in response to uh, the lack of momentum on getting anything done in on gun control in the United States. Um, so he wrote a blog post about that and, you know, talked about honoring those who uh, have served the country, but, you know, his right to protest as well. He did very quickly go back on it, we should say, because Monday was Memorial Day and he, you know, also wrote about how he thought it was necessary to show his support on Memorial Day. Um, and he did come out for the anthem that day, but you know, a controversial move, perhaps less controversial than, uh, when it's done by, uh, black NFL players, you know, certainly we, we saw the effect it had on Colin Kaepernick's Kaepernick's career. Um, you know, some people came out in support of Kapler. I think I saw Tony, Tony LaRussa, uh, said it wasn't his place to do that. So, you know, the, the, the typical sort of mixed opinions you'd get, but you know, a real, Impressive sort of show of leadership from, uh, you know, one of baseball's prominent Jewish Jewish managers. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, there's if you look into Gabe Kapler's sort of history throughout his career, he's been sort of notably as, as an outspoken and fairly liberal guy. Um, there's a, you know, a study from, I guess, I think it's the 2003 Red Sox, uh, where he apparently they say that he was the only registered Democrat on the entire team. Um, wow. And so he's stuck to his, I don't want to say stuck to his guns because that's a bad use of that, you know, analogy, but he, metaphor, he's stuck to his convictions for a long time. Um, and he's certainly trying to make himself heard now uh, as well. He's, you know, a, a great manager and, and a really interesting guy, a thoughtful guy and a guy who really cares about both Judaism and social justice and uh, uh, sort of... Um, you know, he's a guy who has never again tattooed on his body, and I think he he looks to expend that philosophy to where he sees you know injustice in America today. Yeah, I, I, again, like I, you know, he said he'll take it day by day, and I, I can understand that this is sort of an emotional reaction, but it is just interesting to see a, a prominently outspoken coach or manager in this context. You know, you really you don't typically see. Um, coaches doing this sort of thing the, the exception uh, recently being Steve Kerr uh, who you know had a very impassioned speech before uh, the Warriors game uh, game five I think or game six but absolutely um, anyways just something to keep an eye on and you know something to continue watching I think Kapler's you know established established himself now as a, you know one of the best managers in the game he won manager of the year last year uh, in his first year with the Giants um, he, or sorry, second year with the Giants after the COVID year. Um, but you know, he's someone who who will continue to have a role and, and continue to be outspoken as a as a you know as a manager, as a baseball player, and as a, as a Jewish athlete. Compare um, compare the other Kerr sorry, and Kapler for a second. There, it reminds me something a lot of of what Jeff Perlman said on our show. Maybe I guess it was a month ago, two months ago when we had him on, when he mentioned you know in his experience covering 
uh, a lot of sports, baseball tends to be the least open to, to diversity of right. thought. Um, basketball tends to be the most, and, and Steve Kerr was sort of right, righteously, I think rightfully, applauded for his comments. He's been outspoken before about the Trump presidency and about some of the things he sees wrong with America. Um, and and Gabe Kapler, I think it might be a, a slightly bigger deal if you take Perlman at his word that it's less expected in baseball. Um, and and I'm you know I'm proud as a Jewish person that there's something breaking that hegemony um, of of a outspoken Jewish coach. Um, whether or not one might agree with what he's saying, if baseball is such a, a strict place where behavior is so you know there's a lot of unwritten rules in how you behave, um, I'm happy to see someone breaking them. Definitely. Um, so we should move from from Gabe Kapler, who I, I should mention in Howard's book ranks as the sixth greatest Jewish center fielder of all time to the third greatest Jewish center fielder of all time, and that is Jock Peterson, who is on the San Francisco Giants, who was recently embroiled in, I don't know, the weirdest um, player... Is it real? Uh, is it a play, real thing? Was he making it beef? up? Okay, so so let's go through let's go through the background of it, because I think this story deserves some, some uh, I don't know, scrutiny, examination. I think it's pretty amazing, and, and people probably... A little kibitz here. Here. We, we'll, yeah. we'll kibitz on it. Right, so... Um, the Giants were uh, playing the Cincinnati Reds the other day. Uh, Tommy Pham, uh, who plays for the Reds, uh, and Jock Peterson were, it seemed like, chatting before the game. And in a very blurry video that eventually came out, uh, what you can see is that Pham slapped Peterson, you know, sort of over the head pretty violently. Um, and this was reported on. Pham was uh, suspended for three days. And we got the story after the game about what exactly it was. And Jock Peterson explained to reporters that what happened was that there was a disagreement in their uh, fantasy football league that led to the altercation. Uh, it was later explained that part of what the, uh, what the cause of that was, was that Jock Peterson sent a meme to uh, the group chat for the fantasy football league uh, that was insulting to the San Diego Padres, the team that Fam was on previously, and uh, that really and and Fam ended up leaving the league, uh, and you know there was some money at stake or something like that. But the, the initial disagreement was just sort of about the rules of fantasy football, which I think is really funny because that's just like stars; they're just like us. Like they also have dumb disagreements about fantasy football with their with their friends. And, and league mates, uh, just like us. It, it and, was meme-related. Uh, they're, they're just like yeah. us. Yeah, exactly. And then fam, fam sort of having an outsized reaction to a meme about, like, it, it was a meme of, like, three weightlifters and the, the third weightlifter fails. And it was, like, that was labeled as the Padres. is like, very, very petty and ridiculous. But, so, all, all of that to say, like, it is a very funny beef and, like, very bizarre reason for it. But I think the thing that's really caught a lot of people's eye about this or like why it's been so interesting is that like Jock Peterson's explanation of what happened uh, on multiple occasions now has just been like, I, I think like deadpan performance art. It's just been like an unbelievable so recitation of facts with like minimal editorializing because I think the facts support that, you know, fam had a ridiculous and unnecessary reaction to what was, you know, a minor joke in a, in a group thread. Like he, he, he kept it real in a way that, you know, went wrong here. Should that story be true? He could also, which I think might be even funnier if he could just be making it up, like having this deadpan performance art of a out of nowhere story to explain an incident on the field. 
No, I don't think so because he he had the receipts. Like he had he the has the meme. Chat. Yeah, he has the meme. Like he has said all this. Fam hasn't come out and said that's not true. He said like you know that he's a he's a big dog in Vegas and that there was money on the line that that was being messed with. So I don't think that this is untrue. It's just been sort of like revelatory and rare that uh, that that you see an athlete. I, I don't know, sort of break the omerta here and and just be like, this is what happened. This is why we're fighting. And like you know, there's there's like there's no um, it's drama. It's no drama s- in the group chat. Yeah, but it's like there's no subterfuge in the way Peterson's explaining it. It's just like this is this is what happened, and this is why he's having a reaction. You know, and and I think sort of explaining why uh, why why fans you know deserve to be suspended or why his why his slapping him was so uncalled for just based on the facts that are there so it's impressive to see him see the level of candor that's that's been associated with it i do think it's it's deadpan and like it you know peterson has a big personality and has done these sorts of things before most notably when he wore a pearl necklace uh all of the end of last season and the playoffs uh, into the World Series and you know referred to himself as being a bad bitch. Like that necklace is if he, it's not in the Baseball Hall of Fame, should be in the Jewish Sports Hall of Fame. I believe it is in the Hall of Fame. Um, oh, it, good it, to it know. And, and also important to mention that Jock Peterson is from Northern California, so now maybe he can be a little bit more of himself now that he's playing at home. Recent inductee into the <laughs> California Jewish Sports Hall of Fame. I think he's in both the Northern and Southern California Jewish Sports Halls of Fame from his time on both. Growing up there and then on the Dodgers, um, but it's it's lovely to see him sort of embrace his his personality a little bit more. Yeah, this is great. It was great. Like again, it's it, it's a silly story, but it's it's pretty amazing, and I think um, has has won over more fans to Jock Peterson. I think even casual observers of baseball or, or NL West baseball or, or you know have adopted him or lots of people have adopted him as a, as a fan favorite, even if they're not a fan of his specific team. So uh, I don't know. We'll cover any future developments on the story. This is probably the end of it. I don't know if the Reds and Giants play each other again uh, in the near future. I guess they probably have another series coming at some point, but just a, just a bizarre, maybe we'll get new memes out of it. A whole, whole other meme sticking with baseball just for the moment. uh, Something I noticed this week, I think we missed it at the start of the season. Um, but Kenny Rosenberg, the Los Angeles Angels mm-hmm. prospect, has been called up to the majors. Uh, Kenny Rosenberg, I think we could fit in the category of obviously Jewish. Um, he's definitely Jewish. His name sounds like somebody who my dad would have gone to camp with. Uh, but right. he's he's up in the majors. He, he's not doing too straight, but we have one more Jewish pitcher in the major leagues, Kenny Rosenberg. That's great. Um, I, I just wanted to tie one more thing onto um, the Peterson thing, which is that, it, you know, if this hadn't happened, the thing that we would have been talking about was that he had one of the best games that anyone has had this season uh, about a week and a half ago. Um, so this was, uh, let me just make sure I have the date correct. But uh, he had a three homer game uh, where he won the game. Sorry, he tied up the game and then and then essentially won it against the Mets um, on, on, uh, on May 24th and it was a game that the Giants came back and won 13 to 12. So, you know, along with this beef, Peterson has just been hitting, hitting the stuffing out of the ball. Uh, he has a six game hit streak, including that four hit game going into today. So, um, you know, lots to watch in that regard. Uh, Kenny Rosenberg getting called up. That's great. Uh, always good to have more Jews in the major leagues. And, you know, I, I don't know if there's gonna be too many more debuts, 
uh, this year, but... Uh, you know, also, his name is I, Kenny I, Rosenberg. How old school is that? Yeah. Like, like it's, it's, it's the name a news anchor has before they change it. To like, <laughs> like Kenny Rose. Right. So, Gabe, how was your, uh, how was your sport fishing journey? Did you, uh, did you hook any big ones? It was fabulous. I I think well I caught a 250 pound marlin, where which seems to be the most wow. non Jewish thing I think I've ever done. It was very Hemingway esque, <laughs> as you're like like reeling in the giant fish and everyone's screaming. You're fighting the beast and your like animal brain takes over that I'm gonna like conquer this animal and, and then you black out and then wow. you have the fish and it's it's it was really amazing. I caught two marlin, um, one of them or two billfish I should say. One of them was a blue marlin, another one was a sailfish. Uh, I caught a bunch of tuna, a couple of snapper. Oh, it was a it was a true blast. Um, you know, the people I went on the trip with were Jewish. I took some time to look into some of the history of Jewish sport fishing. You know, in, in sort of our, our modern day, we don't talk about fishing a lot on this show, but in our modern day bass and snapper and tuna competitions, there right. really isn't any, a lot of modern Jews. Um, okay. However... If you look at the history of sport fishing, uh, mm-hmm. if you go back to the history of sport fishing, um, or at least all fishing, there is a lot of Jewish history, all the way back to St. Peter, who was probably the first Jewish fisherman, uh, you know, when he was Shimon before Jesus saved him. But moving on to a, a more, not, you know, Not sure if that counts time, as sport fishing, but okay. Um, so I'd like to read to you some of the names of the, the best sport fishing sport fishermen in the world um they're virtually okay. all of them are from the states of tennessee and florida on the bassfan.com world rankings uh the top three have stayed the same we've got uh david young of kentucky uh jay yellis of oregon peter yanni of maryland so not a lo- mike worm not a lot of jews in sort of your current oh a guy there's named a sport, Boo woods a- of there's there's a great sport fisher whose last name is Worm. Worm, yeah, Mike Worm. That's very very That's good. Amazing. Um, yeah, it's so there aren't a lot of Jews. Bar, there are some really good Southern names here. Barton Wines is the 300th ranked in the world. Kevin Van Dam is the number one ranked guy in the world. So a lot of really great old school names. Not a lot of Jewish guys. However, if you look at the history of sport fishing, it goes back in sort of the the ranked and common. Uh, uh, the common ranking now of, of, you know, the size of your rod, the size of your tackle relative to the size of the fish. That whole system of scoring was created by a guy from Philadelphia named Michael Lerner uh, in the early 21st mm-hmm. century. Michael Lerner was a Jewish guy from Philadelphia. Uh, he has the same name as an actor named Michael Lerner, who you might remember as playing like a nerdy Jew and a whole bunch of things. Uh, but no, this Michael no, he Lerner. Was in, uh, Michael yeah. Lerner, he's, he's in uh, Total Recall, isn't he? Yes, uh, he's in he's in a lot of movies like that. Um, I don't think oh, he was not. in Total Recall specifically. He played Arnold Rothstein in Eight Men Out. Um, okay, yes, and, yeah, and, I'm confusing with somebody else. You're right. And uh, you know he he was nominated for an Oscar for Barton Fink playing Jack Jack Lipnick. Michael Lerner, the actor, you know his characters that he plays are, are things like Philip Kleinman and Solomon Schultz and Harvey Weiner and Cy Rosenthal. Right, but the, he's, but he's the ang- quite but the angler. The angler, the angler the invented sort of... the modern scoring system for fish for sport fishing. So that's about between St. Peter and Michael Lerner is really the only Jewish anglers I could find the history of. But now I'm proud to call myself one of the Jewish sport fishermen. 
Interesting. Well, if anyone has any interesting sport fishing stories that uh, incorporate Judaism in any way, feel free to let us know. Always on the lookout for for Jewish uh, interest stories in the in the in the and, more and sports we sports don't cover very our, often from our perspective. Yeah. Um, Gabe, before we get to our interview with Howard, any other uh, news you want to cover? Anything else we want to talk about? Um, you know, it was a tough week for our our Jewish uh, F one driver Lance Stroll, eliminated early in qualifying, did not do so well in the Monaco race. Um, we mentioned Kenny Rosenberg uh, getting called up. Also, something to mention: we are now into the semifinals of the NHL playoffs. There are two Jews left. In the NHL playoffs right now, Zach Hyman with the Edmonton Oilers and Adam Fox with the New York Rangers, both of whom are contributing very greatly to their team's success. As we record this yeah, now, the so Oilers Hyman, are Hyman is down in Game 1. Yeah, so Hyman is tied for third in goals, I saw. Uh, Lerner's tied... Sorry, not Lerner. Fox is tied for third in assists, which is pretty impressive. Both of them really contributing. I think Fox had a goal in the uh, deciding game in the... Uh, conference semifinals so you know and and Hyman has a goal tonight already Hyman's got a goal tonight in game one of the conference finals as we're recording this so uh uh, good for him Uh, you know friend of the pod former mentor guest Zach Hyman is is carrying his team yeah so we'll have to see how they do and hopefully they will uh both make it to the Stanley Cup finals they're different conferences so uh you know either or both of them may I'm not sure the last time there's been a uh, Stanley Cup winner who is Jewish, but that's something we can look into if, if those guys make it and have the potential to be the next one. Um, so good luck to both of them, and uh, you know we'll keep an eye on the, the conference semifinals. So let's get to our interview with Howard Megdell, author of the Baseball Talmud, amongst many other things, uh, both new and historical. But before we do, we want to talk to you all about the CJN Circle. Not only do you know that the CJN Circle grants you access to wonderful print editions of the magazine featuring yours truly and my co-host Jamie in black and white, but also includes access to special events like this one. If you are one of the next two subscribers from this podcast to join the CJN Circle, you'll get free tickets to the Toronto Jewish Film Festival's uh, world premiere screening of The Rhapsody. What is The Rhapsody, Jamie? Uh, the Rhapsody is a documentary about late composer Leo Spellman, uh, who was, I should point out, a cousin of the similarly named Vladislav Spielman, uh, who is who the pianist is based on, after. And uh, Leo Spellman is a Polish-Canadian Holocaust survivor uh, who's now passed away. Uh, and the documentary traces out his journey towards artistic liberation. Um, it's premiering at the Toronto Jewish Film Festival. You can read more about it at tjff.com slash film slash the hyphen Rhapsody, uh, or presumably if you just Google the Rhapsody in Toronto Jewish Film Festival. Uh, But please subscribe to the CJN Circle, and if you do, you will have a chance to win tickets to go see the Rhapsody. Let's go now to our interview with Howard Megdahl. We're joined today by Howard Megdahl, the author of The Baseball Talmud. The definitive position by position ranking of baseball's chosen players, updated edition. Uh, congratulations, Howard, on the on the re-release of your book, and thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's been such a fun pleasure to be doing these events and being able to talk about all the things I found. So we'll dive into the book uh, in a, in a moment. Uh, before we do, do you want to just take an opportunity to introduce yourself a little bit to our guests? Sure. So. Uh, 
I am the founder and editor of the Next Women's Basketball Newsroom, a 24-7 women's basketball newsroom. You can access it at thenexthoops.com. And The Nine, which is a women's sports newsletter across six different sports, which you can get to at the T-H-E-I-X-Sports.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Howard Magdal, where I write about baseball for baseball prospectus and 538 and numerous other outlets covering women's sports as well. Right. The nine, the nine, we should say, is, is the, the IX nine, the, the title nine. That's, right. nine, that nine. that's exactly right. Um, so, Howard, I, I wanted to talk to you about the book uh, that's been re-released now. Um, it is, you know, not just a, a breakdown of, you know, Jews and Jews and baseball and, and different Jewish baseball players, but, a, you know, pretty definitive ranking of all the players among the different positions, including, uh, you know, starting pitchers broken down by by starting pitching and, and relief pitchers broken down by handedness. Um, what inspired you to write this book in the first place? When I was in college, I had a sociology professor who was the center fielder on my intramural softball team. Okay. And one night, we went out for batting practice. My third baseman was a sabermetrics uh, nerd like myself. And we began a spirited argument over whether Colfax or Greenberg was the best baseball player. And <laughs> talk about in the book, you know, you can make strong arguments for either. But my sociology professor, who was a child of Los Angeles in the 1960s, was so enthusiastic about it and ultimately so outraged that we weren't blindly agreeing that he jumped out of the car and quit the team over it. And, and I, yeah, I think, I think the, um, the argument, the Koufax Greenberg argument is, is one that has been held by lots of Jewish sports fans, like for the last 50 years, basically. It's fascinating. And, you know, so ultimately the, the end of that story is that I thought, you know, this is something that I'm fascinated by and interested in, but clearly a lot of people are very passionate about it. But right. the Greenberg versus Koufax argument is obviously such a significant one because they're so different. You know, Greenberg being a hitter in the 1930s, uh, a hitter's era, but still an OPS plus 12th all time among all hitters ever. I mean, right. you know, that level of player. Koufax is a pitcher pitching in the most pitcher-friendly era in baseball history, but still putting up numbers that are unlike any we've ever seen other than perhaps Pedro Martinez in the 1990s. And so finding that, finding even the gaps in their careers, Greenberg serving four years, helping to fight the Nazis, Colfax ending his career at 31 with what would now be something that could have been corrected with routine surgery. Sure. None of these Career arts are standard or easy enough to be able to put against one another. And their wins above replacement, which is a great catch-all stat, are virtually identical. It, it, it's tricky, especially for those two guys, as you say, with the, with the gap in, in Greenberg's uh, resume. I mean, you know, his counting stats are pretty good, but not um, not like all-time level, but, but very similar for guys we see who played in the 40s, where it's like, they would have had 480 home runs if not for their military service, you know, but he ends up at 330 or, or instead. Do you have a uh, do you have a decision in the end about who you think who you think is the number one, Koufax or Greenberg? I do. And I think reasonable people, my sociology professor notwithstanding, <laughs> disagree. I think you have to give the edge to Greenberg ever so slightly. I think they're very close. And I think ultimately, if this were a Bill James historical baseball abstract, you might be able to go either way, but Hank Greenberg literally fought the Nazis. And I That's think true. if you were doing a Jewish baseball book, I think you need to give extra credit to a person who did that. So Greenberg gets the edge for me. 
the the edge sort of on a historical intangible, not not necessarily something on the field, but uh, on the on the you field level, argue, I guess. Had World War II done differently, there may not be a Kovacs. I don't. I just don't think you can do that. <laughs> in the same way that Harry Dannon is my catcher, ever so slightly over Mike Lieberthal. Harry Dannon, who fought bravely in World War II as well. I think there needs to be extra credit given to Nazi fighters. That's that's very much like the Jimmy Stewart John Wayne debate as well. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a very good point. That's exactly right. Although Jimmy Stewart has it all over John Wayne, but that's oh yeah, I mean. the Nazi thing is just icing on the cake. John Wayne sucks, and Jimmy Stewart's great, and and, and the Nazi fighting Nazis is just really the tip of the iceberg there. Hundred percent agree. So Howard, you recently re-released the book. Uh, it came out just just this past month. Um, what what prompted the wanting to refresh it and update the list for for twenty twenty two? Well, it's interesting. There's a few different ways in which the book, which is it's about 60 percent bigger, but it's about 80 percent new material. uh, And it changed in some fundamental ways. And so there's a few. One is statistically, and this is significant. Statistically, Mm -hmm. you are looking at a world of movement forward when it comes to thinking about how we understand advanced metrics and being able to compare between eras is very significant in and of itself. There's also a host of new players who have come into the league and players who are at the beginning of their careers who have completed their careers and being able to have further context for them as well. But the biggest thing for me is how many different people I was able to tell the stories about, not just as players, but as people. The, hmm. uh, the amount of things that have been digitized that have allowed for research to fully flesh out what were players who were a few lines in the baseball encyclopedia the last time around is almost unbelievable to me in the ways I was able to find out uh, details about people's lives. And that was the, the biggest pleasure of all for me out of these, where these are all just little anecdotes writ large, you know, making up the fabric of Jewish baseball history. Right. So it sounds like it, it benefited both from, you know, Saber metrics and also just from like the Saber bio projects, like the, the you know, baseball research that they've been responsible for well, and, that, done, and other in other organizations as well. I mean, newspapers.com is this incredible compendium when you know who to look for and where they are of people's lives. You know, right. there's this there's this false belief that people have that things are getting shared on Facebook that we never knew about from past generations. This stuff was in newspapers. You go to local papers, you can find detailed accounts of an eight-year-old's birthday party, who attended, what was the what was served for cake. I mean, all this stuff was always something that we shared with one another. Right. And so then among the uh, the, the second reason, uh, in, including uh, more recent athlete, athletes as well, um, I just wanted to highlight a few of them. I see Alex Bregman has, has made it to number one. On He's your number base. one third baseman. That's right. And we That's should right. say former former Blue Jay great Danny Valencia, number three all time third baseman, um, mm-hmm. also a new addition since the last book. Um, in terms of the future, if you're gonna if you're gonna update this again in ten years, uh, who do you think is most likely to make a further jump up the list, or, or who do you see being being further up there? If you look at and <clears throat> I enlisted the help of people like Dan Zimborski, who does really good work on projection systems for fan drafts. If you look at what the average outcome of Bregman's career would be, you know, we were talking about four, right? Sure. 55 is about the magic number when it comes to Greenberg, 
Koufax, Ian Kinsler, by the way, my best second baseman of all and somebody who's really underrated. Bregman right now projects to finish right around 55. Well, that's his average projection. Alex Bregman might exceed that and by a fairly significant margin. And if he does, we need to have a re a reworking of the overall list. Right. And who wants to top the list? Bregman has an opportunity to be there. But there are players right now who have a chance to move up the list. Max Freed has the opportunity, if he continues what he has done to date, to be a legitimate second-best pitcher in Jewish baseball history, ahead of even the great Ken Holtzman, ahead of people like Barney the Yiddish Curver Pelty. You know, an opportunity to really make his mark as the player of this era. And then, you know, look, somebody like Garrett Stubbs is not really talked about. Garrett Stubbs is part sure. of one of my favorite trivia questions, which is the 2021 World Series had four Jews in it. Who are the four? Everyone knows Jock Peterson, Alex Bregman, Max Fried, who, of course, was the game, was the winning pitcher in the most recent yep. World Series game. Garrett Stubbs is fourth. Well, now he's in Philadelphia. He's having a fantastic season. JT Real Muto is past 30. Is there an opportunity for Garrett Stubbs to become the catcher of the future in Philly? Well, you know, you can make an argument. If he keeps playing the way he did on Sunday uh, when he hit a long home run against the New York Mets, we may well see it. So there are going to be people who surprise us. Rowdy Telez has an opportunity to push Ron Bloomberg uh, among first base DHs of all time. There's, there's just a huge crop of players, and that's before we even get to my top 18 prospects, guys like Zach Geloff down in the Oakland Athletics Organization, who might help them sooner than later because they keep trading everybody else. Right, I like that section a lot. Uh, the 18, fittingly, 18 top top Jewish prospects of the future. I mean, I, I think there's been a lot of uh, focus on you know the the Orthodox guys who got picked last year, Jacob Steinmetz yeah. and uh, and Ellie Klugman, but uh, Hunter Bishop is like a a, a real deal prospect. Um, uh, what's his name? Sorry, Josh Wolf is a guy who I think we've had an eye on for for a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, who we should probably see. Yeah, we just right. we just need Hunter Bishop to stay healthy because he's got the tools to play. We saw him in the Arizona Fall League. We saw him hit a saw him hit a home run in the Arizona Fall League. It's just really as, a question of getting healthy. As Blue Jays fans, we're a little we're wondering where Spencer Horwitz is on your uh, top eighteen. He's he's there, and he's somebody who I think very highly of. If he continues to hit at double and triple A, he's got an opportunity to help that team. Now that Blue Jays team is stacked. So it's <laughs> that's oh, yeah. Game. That's going to be a hard lineup to get into, but far from impossible. And he's certainly somebody who I like a lot. We, we should say just for, for our local uh, sports fan, there, there is a, a fair amount of Blue Jays contest, content in here. Uh, yeah. I won't give it away, but if you buy the book, you might, uh, might be interested in seeing who the number one all-time Jewish right fielder is. Uh, I think, I think uh, intrepid Blue Jays fans might be able to figure that one out. <laughs> It's very true. And again, you know, Spencer's at 244, 352, 407 is his slash line right now at double A. So he is more than holding his own in his first time, extended time at that level. This is somebody, you know, who had put up solid batting averages and above average on base percentage. He controls the strike zone really well. It's going to be fascinating to see what he does the rest of the way.
It is. It, you know, we always say when we uh, when we talk about like the draft and who you know what Jews were selected in the draft that it's like here's everyone who who is picked. It's exciting. Uh, you know, you may not hear this guy's name for another six years because he's going to take some time getting through the minors or or go to college or something like that. It's so it's so tricky with baseball. Um, I, I'm so impressed by uh, the the writers who who are prospect focused who can just have like. 1500 guys names in their heads at, at any given time when you think of you know top 50 lists for for all 30 teams it's 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 unbelievable to me it, I, I love being able to do that work over a baseball prospectus i do it on the fantasy side and just the guys who are able to handle we've got this top 500 dynasty list and it's not just random uh changes you know it's based very specifically on what these players are doing or not doing so it's fascinating i totally agree so I want to get into uh, your sort of interest a little bit. You have the baseball Talmud. Clearly, your your career is focused around baseball, Jews and baseball. Are there any other sports that you follow Jewish athletes in? If there's a sport, I follow Jewish athletes in it. You know, I, I mean, obviously, well, as, a, <laughs> as a women's basketball writer, uh, yep. Spurred has been a standard setter. Of course. In yep. fundamental ways. But something I love is, you know, there's somebody, she came from Syosset, New York. Well, Lila Grubman played at Syosset High School as a point guard, is on her way to Yale. And 20 years after Sue, we have history repeating itself with Lila Grubman doing much the same thing. But, you know, being able to follow it uh, across these sports is something we're always keeping a close eye on, to be sure. But, yes, yeah, I, I, I think specifically. I see behind you, you know, I understand this is an auditory medium, but for the listeners, Howard has got some soccer scarves on the wall behind him. Um, and, and you know, we've talked, I guess, a lot about Jews in soccer and, and sort of the history of, of, at least in North America now, Jews in soccer. And there aren't, there's a number of almost Jews on Team USA right now. Walker Zimmerman is someone we get asked all the time if he's Jewish. He's yep. quite the opposite. From what I understand, I see. Um, there, DeAndre Yedlin did play for Team USA for a while. I don't know Oof. if he's still on the roster. Um, there are currently no Jews. Uh, sorry, there are some Jews on Team Canada. There's sort of a debate over whether or not Tejon Buchanan has Jewish ancestry, um, and we're we're sort of working on figuring that out. Would be um, a good get for us. Yeah. It would be a very good get for us as a people. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, and and I think it's uh, uh, we've had some players play in Israel, but so you're mm. so suffice it to say you're always following. Will we ever see a a, a soccer Talmud or a basketball Talmud? I, I never say never about any of it, but I will tell you, looking up close, Ryan Terrell on the basketball side, on the yep. men's basketball side, is somebody I'm obviously keeping very close eye on, uh, who played at Yeshiva, and who I am told has a real opportunity to be drafted. And so that would be just a remarkable thing, both as a Division three graduate myself. Um, huh. Did you play that. any sport? I broadcast. Oh, so, you broadcast. Yeah, there you go. The, the Jewish athlete. And I played <laughs> intramural at that level. Yeah. So that was, that was the level I reached. But, and, um, and where did you go to school? I went to Bard College. Bard College. Proud Bard alum. And we played yeshiva when I was in school there, uh, but not, uh, unfortunately, during the Ryan Terrell era. And <laughs> it would be fascinating to see. But, yes, I'm all for seeing Division Three athletes make good. 
Yeah, just another few There's weeks. There's actually until, a, a Torontonian who is going, I think, is signed with Yeshiva for next season. Uh, Jamie would know the uh, info better than me, but there is a, a player from Toronto who is going to Yeshiva. Jamie, do you remember his name? Uh, I just saw it the other day because he, he signed there, but I, I, I can't remember off the top of my head. But, um, you know, we'll it is interesting to see. <laughs> well, yeah, well, it, it is interesting to see Yeshiva sort of come on as a basketball powerhouse, yes. uh, you know, within the Skyline Conference, at least, or, you know, within Division Three basketball. Not, and, yeah, I was uh, going to say, not even within the Skyline. And, and, you know, that was a winnable name for Bard. Uh, when I was in school, you know, uh, 20 years ago. But <laughs> right. uh, the point being that they have grown it uh, very significantly. And, you know, even having as an assistant coach, somebody like Mike Sweetney, who I had a chance to cover uh, early in my career when he played for the New York Knicks. And now he's mm-hmm. an assistant coach. Uh, so it's it's delightful to see. And if you ever have the opportunity to come down to the city in order to see a Yeshiva game, uh, you're packed in there. It's, uh, you, you know, just a wonderful experience to be part of you might run into amare that's also very true that's also very true i was privileged to be able to cover during my time covering the Knicks as well well it, it is interesting to see uh you know yeshiva be this sort of magnet for jewish players i mean obviously it's made up of jewish players but you know ryan terrell is a guy who had offers other places and decided to go there because he wanted to you know represent you yeah. Know, yeah, represent in a real way. And uh, I, I would say the other main example that we've seen of that is is the Team Israel baseball team uh, that's had so much success in the last few years, you know, going to the Olympics, going to the World Baseball Classic. And, you know, it's 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 very interesting to see these Jewish-comprised teams get put together and, uh, and, and you know, the Jews the Jews all play together as, as one team, um, it, like, like on Team like Israel. For right. people like us, you know, you thought, oh, my God, how great would it be if you could put all these Jewish baseball players together and see how they play as a team? And it's like, boom, Team Israel. Well, I get to I want- see Sean Green play on the same <laughs> team as Brad Osmus. I did see Ian Kinsler playing on the same team as Dean Kramer. Like, it's just, it's mind-blowing, but it, it's a dream come true. Well, I bring that up because I, I, know, at, I know at the end of the book you do uh, put together your all-time Jewish team. Uh, which you refer to as unbeatable, um, yeah. and just just to run down the starting lineup, Harry Danning. Well, I, I, I don't just catcher. refer to it as unbeatable. I just think we. It's important to point out. I statistically demonstrate that it is unbeatable. I enlist right. the help of a statistician in order to prove it to be so. Right. So that's what I wanted to talk about. How how good would that team be if it were in the MLB today? They, they would win 130 games. They would wow. get. Records the kind that the Chicago Cubs start, uh, did during the Tinker to Evers to Chance era. They would blow away the Los Angeles Dodgers. It would not be a close fight. Right. I think that's a you know a great a great place to end on. You know this amazing. If you take it all together, you could really put this amazing team together. Uh, you know Jewish. Jewish contribution to baseball has, you know, gone back what more than 130 years now, going back to Lippman Lippman Pike, I think. So even prior to that, you, you Nate Birkenstock, people would credit George Wright as being the oldest professional baseball player in American history, but he was born in 1835. I mean, he's 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 a youngster by comparison to Nate Birkenstock, who was born way back in 1832. And so when people ask the question, how far back does Jewish baseball history go? The answer is always when there has been professional. <laughs> baseball there have been jews in the game that's great uh well thanks so much for joining us howard it's been it's been a treat having you on and we'll do this again uh, as soon as you publish the third edition of the baseball talmud <laughs> or well, when we'd the love to have you comes out 
at all. Or, any, or anytime you want, to be honest. <laughs> River to me. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Well, thanks again to Howard uh, for joining us. I'm sure we'll have links in the show page. You can find the Baseball Talmud presumably anywhere that you buy books um, or at least Or, or Talmuds. Um, I would hope you would also be able to find it at, at fine Judaica stores. <laughs> yeah, I, I would hope this makes it to at least some Judaica stores. I think it's like there's got to be a shelf of like somewhat um, like non-religious secular material for gifts. Yeah, so... Yeah, if you have a if you have a bar mitzvah boy coming up and you want to add something to a gift, uh, please please get the baseball talmud. I will. I, I would say give give something a little bit more to, to the bar mitzvah boys in in your life than 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 only the book. But you know the talmud is a wonderful included gift. as part of the gift. Yeah, and you know there's a lot of Jewish players in there. So if you want to do a Duff Yomi where every day you read about one different Jewish player, um, you know there's been a few hundred in the history of Major League Baseball. You can get through most of the year just uh just following along with the baseball talmud um aside from that gabe uh i i would ask our listeners if you're listening to us uh through the website please try to like and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts uh any sort of podcast app um you can find us all of it helps please tell your friends about the show uh I'm sorry to yeah. interrupt you, James, but please tell your friends about the show. Like and subscribe anywhere you can, iTunes, Spotify, what have you. It really helps us out a lot. And uh, we love bringing the show to you. Uh, in case anyone's yeah. wondering, next weekend we'll be at the Canadian uh, Open, the PGA Tour event, just sort of working the beat, chasing down some Jewish uh, athletes. So if you run into us, please say hi. Uh, we're excited <laughs> to be there and, and looking forward to any sort of future uh, uh, Mench Warmers content we can bring you guys. Yeah, you can also follow us on Twitter. On on Twitter, uh, it's at Menschwarmers. Until next time. Bye.